And Jesus asked them, the baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it amongst themselves. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, sometimes, sometimes a question is not really a question. Hypothetical situation, you can imagine a husband, father, standing at the end of his garage, trunk of the car open there with his golf clubs. Uh, Wife comes out, wife and mother comes out in her her bathrobe, standing in a very cluttered garage, uh, the sound of screaming children and a barking dog in the background, and says, are you going golfing today? Only the most foolish of husbands will fail to recognize that that is no question at all, but in order, you are not going golfing, masquerading as a question. On the other hand, uh, sometimes answers are not answers either. Uh, Sticking with our our hypothetical, hypothetical, we can imagine this husband-father saying, golfing? Today? Of course not. I'm just cleaning out the trunk before I get to the garage and give the dog a walk which technically, I suppose, is an answer, but might better be termed something like uh, a calculated response. Instead of answering the truth, yes, I was planning on hitting the links, he quickly calculates the risk of such an answer, and because he values his life, or perhaps even loves his wife, two are not mutually exclusive, (laughs) he gives a different response. So sometimes questions are not questions and answers are not answers. We know from the hypotheticals like that, from your own life perhaps, maybe uh, a cynical me will say we know it best from our our politicians, especially these days in an election year, always calculating, spending countless hours on focus groups and polling data to calculate responses, sometimes down to the very words. To say whatever it is, it's most likely to extend political lives. Well, speaking of questions that are not questions, answers that are not answers, and politicians, we get all of that in today's gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 21. The politicians, these are the ones referred to in the text as the chief priests and the elders. They are the movers and the shakers, the ones who are in charge of everything that moves and shakes around this very political place known as the temple in Jerusalem. And they are absolutely set on it staying that way. And they're the ones who come to Jesus with a question, by what authority do you do these things, which is no question at all. The very day before this all happens, less than 24 hours, Jesus had also been to the temple, and that time he did some moving and shaking of his own, uh, specifically moving and shaking the tables of the money changers, causing a big ruckus, driving people out. And so when these folks come with their question, by what authority, it's not really a question, it's a very strict order. Don't even think about doing this again. Jesus responds. Uh, A question that actually, I kind of think, is a question. He says, by what authority? Or, I'm sorry, I'll answer you if you answer me. John's baptism, is it from God or or from man? And I think that is a question. It's a hard question. It's a question which could easily be answered in different ways, and I could uh, imagine various opinions in the day being given on it. But this, this is the key. 
This is the important thing, how they respond. They don't even attempt an actual answer. They don't for a second give thought to actually telling Jesus what they really think and believe. There's no uh, consulting the evidence or talking to wise friends even. None of that because actually answering for them is completely off the table. Instead, what do they do? They calculate. If we answer X, this could happen. If we answer Y, this could happen. If they'd had more time and and resources, they might have consulted Karl Rove or James Carville and brought together a a focus group and done some polling data to find out just what is the correct answer to say that is most likely to cause us the least damage, maybe even further our cause, because they're 100% concerned about how what they will say will make them look and are 0% concerned about telling the truth Come what may. Politicians, right? (laughs) Always fun to spot their flaws along with lawyers, the butts of lots of jokes. One of the things uh, I've heard a couple times in the AA groups that meet here at church, at least once upon a time did, uh, a phrase that pops up, they say, you spot it, you got it. Usually in the response to someone complaining about something, you spot it, you got it. And that is nowhere more true, perhaps, than in this calculated response, answering according to what's comfortable, will get you ahead, testing the waters, only concerned about the optics business. A shameful example from yours truly. Not too long ago, I was at a a dinner with a friend at the home of some other uh, friends. It was a fine night, good food, wine, uh, enough wine to uh, loosen the tongues a little bit, shall we say. Uh, Toward the end of the evening, I can't remember how we got there, but I think it started with a slightly off-color joke from one of the, the people there. But then it moved to our hosts showing some video clips from an old show that they considered funny, but that were just plain racist. Repeated use of racial slurs that I know are never funny. So what did I do? Did I say, you know, it's not not that funny? Did I even uh, uh, excuse myself, come up with something to excuse myself from the situation so I wouldn't be contributing to, to this. No, I calculated. I calculated that it was not worth ruffling feathers, making my hosts uncomfortable, so I kind of smiled along. And I'm ashamed of that. Of that instance in particular, but also that kind of thing in general. The calculated response. Saying the easy thing, or what's the same, leaving the hard thing unsaid. A shame that it's not nearly so rare as it should be for me or for any of us. That it becomes second nature to test the waters 
Always be weighing what you will say and how it will be uh, uh, received. What will will garner the most likes. Uh, Adjusting your response depending on who is listening. To say what you're supposed to, what will keep you in somebody's good graces, all that instead of being truthful about what you actually believe. Or again, the same thing, pretend that you're more sure about some things that you might actually have some doubts about. Always calculate. With those politicians, right? <laughs> Jesus tells this little parable. It's a weird parable. Uh, uh, along with this, it's one that's kind of hard to figure out, but I think it's something that, that connects with this. It's these two sons, the dad sends them both into the fields. One, he says, uh, go into the fields. Then he says, uh, sure, I'll go. Doesn't go. And then the other son um, says the same thing too. He says, no go, but then changes his mind and goes. It's a weird parable, not exactly sure of the point of it, but I think it's something like this. I think maybe the first son, he's the calculator, or the son that says he'll go, which is actually the second one in the parable. He's the calculator. What's the father want to hear? He wants to hear his son say, sure, I'll go, even though he has zero intention <laughs> of actually going. doesn't match at all what's in his heart. And then there's the other son, no calculating with him. Now, he's also a jerk, <laughs> He also happens to be lazy. He also happens to be disrespectful. Uh, certainly transgressing the fourth commandment, not honoring his father. Downright sinful, this bum. But he's got a couple things going for him. The most important thing, no calculating. He's a lazy bum and he knows it. <laughs> he speaks the truth. Now, second, it does say in the parable that he, he something happened, he changed his mind and went. But I'm pretty sure that even of those two sons... Of those two sons, even if he had stayed lazy and never went, Jesus still would have commended the disrespectful honesty over the calculating dishonesty. But that honesty is hard. Like I said, it's like second nature. You don't even think of this stuff. It took me a while driving home in the car before I said of that that evening, said, what the heck was I doing? It's it's really hard. I mentioned AA uh, before in, the, in what uh, uh, AA groups call the, the big book, uh, written by the founder, Bill W. He's got this phrase in there, which somehow stuck with me. I've read the book. It's a good book. Even if you're not an alcoholic, you should read the book. But he says, Bill, Bill W. says that my program, I found that my program works for everyone except those who are, quote, constitutionally incapable of being honest. <laughs> constitutionally incapable of, of being honest. That's what he says for the the program anyway. It works unless you're that. Now, Bill Bill W. in the big book go on to say, go on to say that unfortunately some people are just born that way, constitutionally incapable of being honest. And that's where I think he's wrong. I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure I've got the good book on my side, that not just some people, but all people are constitutionally incapable of being honest. And that there is one thing, and one thing only, that at least begins to make honest women and men out of us. It's what those temple politicians didn't know, and what you and I often lose hold of. What makes it possible for you and I To actually be honest is this. The grace, the forgiveness, the welcome, the unshakable certainty 
that is all wrapped up in Jesus' no-matter-what love for you. Those politicians, those temple movers and shakers taking polls and calling together focus groups, it's sad, really. It's sad because they're, they're trapped. They're trapped. They can literally not tell the truth for fear that what they say will be used against them, what they'll lose. But you know what would free them? You know what would finally free them to give an honest answer? Knowing that no matter what answer they say and what anyone thinks of it, they have a father. That you have a father who says and never stops saying, child, my love for you is unmovable. Who says for you no matter how shaky things get, none will ever shake you from my hand. What about shameful me? Nodding along like an idiot (laughs) to shameful words. Shamefully afraid to speak up for fear of some friend deserting me. What can possibly overcome that? How about this? Knowing that I have a friend, that you have a forever friend in Jesus. In the very Son of God who spread his arms on the cross for the world to gather up all the shades and leave them in his tomb. To from the very cross by his actions say, should all the world desert you, I will never leave or forsake you. For I've called you by name and you are mine. Instead of calculating, posturing, evading, what finally makes it possible for us to have the the most difficult honesty of all? It's one thing to be honest about, you know, hard stuff, all the social issues, who's going to say? But the hardest honesty is to be honest about yourself, about what, what goes on in that mess of a head on your shoulders and crazy heart in your chest. What can begin to make that honest? Same thing. Forgiveness. (laughs) If coming clean is going to mean a kick in the head on the other side, you are not going to be honest about yourself. You'll be constitutionally incapable. Only the certainty that on the other side of that, no matter what you uncover, how deeply you dig, no matter how ugly it is that comes up, that there's forgiveness waiting for you on the other side, that and only that can finally give us that sort of honesty. Without that, it's just too dangerous to be honest. It's not worth it. No telling what people will think and do, but forgiveness. That's what makes honesty possible. Knowing you don't have to calculate a thing because your heavenly father has already done all the calculating. He's calculated and said, you are worth it. You are worth my very dear son for you, given for you and the life of the world. But it's still really hard. I mean, I'm a professional Christian. (laughs) This honesty thing, which is why we practice every week, by the way, takes practice. Like most merciful God, we are by nature sinful and unclean. That's honesty practice. We call it confession, but we could call it honesty practice. By nature, sinful and unclean, that's another way of saying it just comes so easy. (laughs) Second nature. Don't even think about it until you're driving home in the car, if ever. Calculating, posturing comes so easy, and so we ask forgiveness. You are forgiven. All is forgiven in Jesus' name. And you are strengthened and you are renewed as forgiven people, as loved no matter what children, as eternally secure friends of Jesus, as guests at his table. 
I pray that the Father would give us the strength, the freedom to be transparent, uncalculated, honest with each other, even with ourselves. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.